Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Friends, our faith is a thing that we keep working on. Our faith is not something that we just arrive at and put down. I love that we just welcomed Benjamin into the family, but his work is not done. You don't get just a little bit of water from this font, and then all of a sudden you're good to go. Because I got some water from this font. It was a little bit bigger, and I got dunked all the way down. Fun story, I was talking with my friend down the street who's the preacher at the Baptist church, and he said he didn't, his baptismal font hadn't been delivered. Do you know that that's a thing that people have to deliver? And I was like, you can borrow mine. I can carry it in my car. And he said, no, that won't work, because they, they dunk. That's the joke. That's why you're laughing so hard. Anyways, our faith isn't something that we just do once. It's a thing that we continuously work on. And when we walk by faith, when we walk in these things that make us more like Jesus, all of a sudden we find our lives changing. And it's not a thing that we do just in seasons or spurts. It's a thing that we do every day of our lives. There's this cellist who died when he was 97. He was interviewed at 95. And in his late 90s, Pablo Cassell was still practicing several hours a day at the cello. And a New York Times reporter asked him, Pablo, why do you keep practicing? In your advanced age, why do you keep practicing? And he says, I feel that I am improving. I think I'm getting better. I think sometimes in our faith, we feel like we, we know how to play the basics on the cello. We can say Mary had a little lamb or, or uh, hot cross buns, and then we put the practice book down. I think our Christian faith, sometimes we feel like we've arrived at a plateau and we're never going to work at it again. But friends, why would we put the practice down? Why would we stop practicing our faith when we could become more and more like Christ? You see, our discipline that we're talking about today is community. Community is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline because sometimes community is not easy. Sometimes community is a lot of work, but it's a work that's worth doing. The thing I'm going to say a lot today, the first thing you can write in your bulletin, if that's your sort of thing, is this. There is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. There is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. When I think about community, I think about a few different things, but one of the things that I think about is that space right after a hurricane. Uh, Any Floridians in the room know what I'm talking about. The power's gone out, and so you go outside because it's hot in the house, and for some reason, it's oddly cool outside. You go outside and it looks like a bomb went off and if you own a chainsaw, you start greasing the the chain because you're about to go to work, right? You're walking around and you're you're asking, how do you still have power? And I don't. Oh, you did get one of those generators? Dang it, I really should have done that, yeah. And, And we share, we're out in our community, we're in our front yards. It's something that really takes a category four or higher for us to do 
in this modern age. And then on the flip side, as someone who grew up in Polk County in, in Lake Wales, when I think about community, I think about everyone knowing our stories. The thing about being from a small town is that you know everything, and everyone else knows everything too. I see some friends from Lake Wales that know about that. Anyone over there? Yeah. I've heard full-on stories about people that I haven't seen for years in Walmart. You know, I can catch up on their whole life because a community that small, you're, you're tight and close. You're doing life near one another. But Christian community needs to be a third thing. It needs to be different than just walking out in your front porch after a hurricane has happened. And it has to be something more than just being in other people's business. It needs to be a third thing. A little bit of both, but something better altogether. Because there is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. We have a passage today from Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12. And a tradition that we have here at this church is, like all good Methodists, we say, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. And also, like all good Methodists, we say, thanks be to God. Like we just opened socks that you'll never wear from your grandmother, right? You need to say thank you, but you can't be happy about it, right? And so what we decided to do is that we're going to say thanks be to God, and then we say that ancient Hebrew word from riding a roller coaster, which is woo! And so if you want to participate in that with us, you can. I just, if you're a visitor, I don't want you to be freaked out that we do this. So uh, hear the word of the Lord from from the book of Hebrews. What more can I say? I could run out of time if I told you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith they conquered kingdoms, brought about justice, realized promises, shut the mouth of lions, put out raging fires, escaped from the edge of the sword, found strength in weakness, were mighty in war, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they could gain a better resurrection. So then, with endurance, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let, let us throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame, for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him, and sat down at the right side of God's throne. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this passage is, uh, is from the book of Hebrews, which is a sermon. Most scholars think that this is a written down sermon that was shared, more than likely preached by a woman. That's why we don't see the name in the passage in the book. In just a few chapters before, you hear the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame. These are the who's who of the Bible characters, right? These are the big stories that you've heard, the names that they, they've retired the jersey, as it were. If there's, if there's jerseys in heaven, these are in the rafters, okay? You read chapter 11, chapter 10, you see these men and women that have really done a great job sharing God's love and, and following God's law. And uh, when we see all these stories, we realize that being part of a community means sharing a story with history. That means being a part of a community means sharing a story with history. When we share a story with history, that means that we are not just Christians trying our best. We're not just people trying to be good. We're instead connected to stories 
that go back to the very beginning. When we look at the history of the faithful who have gone before us, we can see ways that we want to change our lives. When we're tied in, when we're connected to stories of the past, we find that we are not on our own. There's a trend that's been growing. It's not new, but it's growing, of being spiritual but not religious. When we're spiritual but not religious, we retain some of the good things of Christian faith. We have that love of the universe, of the Creator, working within our lives, but when we're not religious, we lose the stories of those that have gone before us. We miss out on being tied to that history. Now, there are benefits to that. The church does not have a perfect record. The church has made plenty of mistakes, both in ancient history and modern history. There's plenty of reasons to want to tie yourself away from the history of the church. But friends, when we read this passage, we see that there are so many things that come, so many benefits that come from being tied to the story of a community because there is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. I think one of the things that happens when we tear ourselves away from the stories of a community is that we get more and more isolated. See, our, our culture, our country is getting more and more isolated, getting lonelier and lonelier. We find people losing those connections, those touchstones that tied them to their neighborhood. We see people losing those things that gave them identity. And we've outsourced the things that make us human. All of us, a lot of us, have either in our pocket or our purse this fantastic rectangle that connects us to everything that ever was or ever will be, right? We can just open up an app and all of a sudden we're getting an endorphin, a serotonin, you know, all sorts of these wonderful things that we used to only get from sitting and talking to people. Now, I know I might be sounding like an old timer. I might be sounding like a Luddite. I get it. I understand. And anyone that follows me on Instagram knows I love scroll, scroll. And then I see this little red heart that tells me that people love me. Uh, I'm a two on the Enneagram. That's what I need in this world, y'all. I need a machine that tells me I'm loved at every moment of every day, right? And yet, when we outsource it to these, these businesses, these machines, these things that are not other people, we find ourselves lonelier and lonelier. We're getting isolated. We're getting removed from what God actually calls us to. You see, the church must reclaim her place as the safest place for outcasts. The church for too long has forgotten that we're the place that outcasts are able to go, that we're the safe place. Too often the church has been a place that has shown others that they're not welcome, that they are not wanted, that they're not needed. The church needs to reclaim her place of the outcast. Because the thing is, if you read the Hall of Faith, you read Hebrews 11, you read Hebrews 10, you find a list of people that had incredible faith, you also find a list of, forgive me, kind of losers. You know, they weren't the ones like leading Fortune 500 companies. They weren't on the cover of any magazines. A lot of them got chased down by the authorities and murdered. They weren't well-respected and loved in their time, and yet we see that they were safe, heard, and loved by the God of the universe. Friends, there is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. Here's what community can't be. Community can't be a place that limits 
who joins, a club that limits who joins. We can't be a place that says, well, uh, you can come, but you can't join up. You, you can show up and maybe give or sing every once in a while, but you can't actually be a part of us because we, we have a list of things that we need uh, from you. There are no dues in the life of the church. If we're going to be a real community that God's called us to, it needs to be a thing where everyone's welcome, right? If this message is for everyone, then where is everyone? We need to open the door wider and wider and wider. But on the flip side of that, the church, the community that God is asking us to build, the church cannot be a club that just makes us feel good about ourselves, where we go in and we get to celebrate how right we are. We get to go together, we recite a little creed, we talk about how dumb everyone else is and how smart we are, and we pat each other on the back and we say, poor little bunny, did they tell you you were wrong? And then, you know, shake us all up and release us into the world. The world doesn't need another place for that. We already have cable news. We don't need another place that tells us that we're right and everyone else is wrong. The church cannot be that. But instead, the, the church really needs to be a place that welcomes all and challenges all. The church cannot be, you know, a cool clubhouse with a secret passcode. There was this movie when I was a kid called The Little Rascals, and it was the one that was made in the 90s, sorry. But it was, came on a VHS, and my library had it. I wore that thing down, man. It, that, that, that starts at the beginning got deeper and deeper every single week. I, I, I watched that thing forever. And I think sometimes, friends, that the church has become the he-man woman-hating club. It has become a place where just boys are allowed or just people are allowed that, that are in. They know the secret password and, and they're welcome in and everyone else is not welcome in. I think the church has become that too much. We have to drop our secret passcodes. We have to drop the things that make us feel safe, heard, and loved and and exclude the world around us. And the reason why we need to do this is not just because the God of the universe has commanded us to do so, although pretty good reason, to be fair. It is also because we need what the world, what the people around us have. When we recited the Apostles' Creed, we said that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And every time that we do that, I think, I wonder if someone thought they went to the wrong church. Like they like saw the wrong sign and they were like, oh, this looks Methodist, right? Um, this is not a, a Roman Catholic church. But the word Catholic means united. We believe in the holy united church, which means that I can't be holy unless y'all are here. I can't be holy unless the whole of the church gathers together. And we take all of our gifts and abilities, our faults, our hangups, and all the good stuff that God can work with. Only then can we become truly holy. When we become a club that identifies who can be in and who, can, and who must be out, we lose all of those gifts, friends. We find ourselves less holy than we were before because, friends, there is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. And ultimately, it has to be a community of faith. It can't be a community based off of ideas or programs or even a denomination. It has to be a community based off of faith. You see, the, this list of believers, this hall of faith, has one thing in common, and that's faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen yet seen. 
You see, in a life of faith, you need others to say, I think I believe in that too. And so when we, you know, recite the creed, when we sing together, when we get together on Christmas Eve and light candles and say the light shines into the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, man, I need someone else to say that too. Because I can't believe it all the time. I watch the news, I read about the atrocities happening in the world around me in my very own neighborhood, and I stop believing. But then I come here, and I hear the kids say the Lord's Prayer. I see people older than me holding up the light, and all of a sudden I believe just a little bit more. You see, because without community, faith gets weak. There is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. Because our community, our community has work to do to remind people of their dreams. Because at some point, someone told Whitney Houston, girl, you can sing, right? Someone told Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., brother, you can preach. Someone told Elvis that, man, you can dance. Not like that, but you can dance. At least not here, right? And someone told Taylor Swift, you can do whatever it is that you're doing. I guess printing money? Is that what she's doing now? I, I haven't been keeping up. She's dating a, something or other. Anyways, it takes a community to show someone that they can do what they believe they might be able to do. It takes a community to look at a little person and say, I think that you're going to do something great. It takes a community to look at someone older and say, I don't think God has done with you. I think there's more yet for you to accomplish. There's more. There's more. Friends, which of your dreams stayed in your head because no one pulled them out? This community's job then is to help dreams get born. This community's job is to help dreams get born because too many dreams have stayed in our heads because no one had a chance to tell us that those dreams were worth bringing into the world. There is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. And community challenges us. At this point, all I've told you is that community is a great place where everyone's welcome, and you might be Whitney Houston. You don't even know, right? But community is also work. Community is a challenge. You see, wrong ideas can get challenged here in community. I can't tell you how many long-suffering Sunday school teachers had to deal with a 16-year-old Michael who had everything figured out. I'd roll up to Sunday school, tell them all the ways that they were wrong, and they would politely and gently correct me. Uh, sometimes gently, sometimes just directly, right? But I had it all figured out, and it took people within my church community to tell me that there was another way to see things. Wrong ideas can get challenged. You see, the church needs to remember that we also need to challenge ourselves. I think sometimes the church gets to wander a little bit. We begin challenging people that aren't a part of our community. Well, we've got a lot of work to do within our doors, within our walls, right, friends? And we've got people that we can challenge within ourselves. But ultimately, friends, complacency fails in the presence of a loving community. It is hard to sit on your hands and watch the world go by when you find yourself a part of a loving community. It is hard to think that God is done with you if you're surrounded by people that believe in you. It is hard to think that this world is just the way it's always going to be and has been forever if you've got people 
that are egging you on to something new. There is a work to be done within you that can only be done in community. We have to keep running. So let us throw off all the sin that hinders us or binds us up because of this great cloud of witnesses all around us, this great community we find ourselves in. Friends, I don't know about you, but I have no interest in dying the way that I am right now. I have no interest. I'm I'm 35. I hope to change a lot by the time I'm 90. (laughs) By the time I'm 36, frankly, friends. If I'm not changing, if if I'm not becoming more like Jesus, if I'm not growing, then I don't know if I deserve this breath or the next. There is work to be done. I could look just a little bit more like Jesus this year. But if I'm not in community, it's not going to happen. And I'll look at the stories of the past. I'll look at the hall of faith. I'll see what they're doing. But friends, I'll also look around at all of you. And I'll see the way the Holy Spirit is showing up in your life. I can't help but be inspired at this church. Look at this big old pile of carbs in front of me. This only happened because of God's great love at work in the lives of young people. Amazing. This would still be a Publix if it weren't for God's great love. When we baptize a little one, we see nothing but potential, right, friends? We see nothing but stories ahead. A belief that this child has been called out and claimed by God as one of God's own so that the world might get a little bit brighter. So not only do I look at stories of the past, but I look around me. And if I'm in Christian community, I get encouraged and I get inspired to do something greater and grander because there's a work that needs to be done within all of us that can only be done in community. So my challenge for us today is this. Who will be your people? Who will be the ones that challenge and inspire you? The ones that push you and prod you and encourage you onward? Who will be the people that will call you when your ideas are wrong or off base, but also remind you of God's infinite love and grace in your life. Let's pray together. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.